September 5, 2019, it's the Watt Pedro Show.
from Pedro Show started off with uh, Mr. PC live in Stockholm 1963 John Coltrane uh, explaining well first I gotta say hello brother Matt I hello talked to you since I was on the flipper tour yeah welcome back been about almost two no, months or so huh? I, I don't think there was one watt from Pedro Show in August I don't think so yeah yeah maybe first in six weeks mm-hmm. welcome back yeah, thank you much. And how, how was the town? You, you lost some neighbors. Yeah, yeah, had had some more neighbors. some more death continuing. Yeah, um, uh, had the cool Fleet Week this past week. That was yeah. cool having the Navy in town, cool bunch of party. That. Yeah, that was a big party. Um, there was some dive boat action. Oh fuck, that sucked, man. So I came um, back from the parade and I found out about that. Man, it's terrible. And we must. Uh, and how crazy that only the crew members survived. Yeah. Yeah, so sad. Yeah. Anyway, uh, speaking of boats, uh, got mm-hmm. got mine ready for two weeks from the day. Cool. For Dick Watt 2019 tour with Tom Watson and the big man Nick Aguilar. Very cool. Uh, oh yeah, after uh, Mr. PC. By the way, people, that's for Mr. Paul Chambers, incredible bass man. Hello. Uh, John Coltrane writes a song. Maybe it's like Miles Davis writing a song for uh, John McLaughlin, right? Mm. I don't know if it's, it's something like that. Anyway, uh, Ken Kirsten from the Lilacs here. Uh, we, we heard his uh, love disaster. And welcome aboard, uh, Ken. Welcome. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Yeah. Uh, there's something in the LA Times today about um, me challenging. Yeah, me. yeah. Uh, the, the pork sandwich tip. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I also told him about Enchilada House, but, but, but we're... Mr. Bukowski lived. Yeah, you know, and I've been yeah. They got on that red that. chili. They got the killer red chili. I guess somebody's got to get the scissors. They, they did get the squid and chips from the fish market. Uh, cool. But uh, you know how somebody always gets left out. Uh, 
That's I good. I just always like the roast pork with the mustard. Uh, Sorry to bring that in there, Kurt, Ken, because we want to talk about your musical journey. What is your earliest musical recollection, Ken? You know, hearing you guys talk about food, I, I have to tell you, I, I've never eaten uh, pork or bacon in my life. Wow. And, um, there's this there's this belief in Judaism that when uh, the Messiah shows up, everything that's not kosher will suddenly be kosher. And the first thing I'm going to do is a bacon double cheeseburger. <laughs> cool. Oh, man. Okay. Okay, that, that makes a lot of sense. So I'm with that. And, and, I, so, and I want to be man-handing you that. And but... You know, bring, bring all the kosher chow that was kosher before, because yeah. I dig that stuff, too. <laughs> really, there's so nothing like... your question about... Uh, there's nothing like a, uh, uh, a chopped liver at uh, Katz's, mm. huh? $24, still worth it. <laughs> anyway, earliest musical recollection. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I was just asked uh, to write an essay uh, with the, the release of the Lilacs Endure. I was asked to, to write an essay, uh, an entire uh, piece about that. And, I, you know, I was trying, I was straining to think of something really cool, but I, I decided to just go with the honest answer, which is the first record I ever bought and owned was Barry Manilow's Greatest Hits. And I, I still love it today, you know. <laughs> that well, you, you can dismiss it however no, you like, but those, those hooks are undeniable, man. You know, he lives here on Catalina Island. Oh, he got Palm Springs pad, too, I think. Okay, but when I used to run the, the booth uh -huh. <laughs> at Birth 95, uh -huh. he would take the helicopter over. Uh -huh. and so, yeah, maybe he's got a couple of pets. <laughs> but how old were you, with Ken, when you got that record? In, in my recollection, although I, I'm 50 now, so I might be uh, misremembering this thing through uh, the haze of age, but in my recollection, I got that with the money I got for my 10th birthday. So I, I'm going to say that that was 1978 when the song Ready to Take a Chance Again was a big hit because of the Goldie Hawn, Chevy Chase movie, Foul Play. So that's the story I'm going with. Okay, what about the pad you grew up in? Uh, were, were your folks uh, listeners or, or, or players? My, my my parents, especially my dad, were huge music fans. Um, you, you mentioned... Uh, mentioned what? Louis Armstrong fan. Okay. Um, you dropped out there, Ken. Ken, he grew up in Ken you, you dropped oh, out there. Oh, I apologize. My, Go ahead. My dad was a big... My dad was a big Louis Armstrong fan, and okay. uh, there's all these stories of him sneaking in to see the great one in uh, Cleveland where he grew up. Um, my parents were both huge music fans, especially my dad. My dad was actually a, a, quite a good singer, and um, one of the reasons I'm a musician today is because my dad would, would practice singing with me, and my brother would play piano, uh, and my brother, uh, who's become a, a very famous and well-regarded author now, was too shy to, to sing. So I'd be the singer uh, while he played Elton John or The Who or whatever. So there was a piano in the pad in the living room. Absolutely, we had a, a, a big okay. Steinway. In fact, my, you know, our parents were um, somewhere between lower middle class and middle class. But the the one indulgence that we had, I mean, we never had a microwave oven or color TV or cable. But the one thing we did have was a really nice Steinway grand piano. Now, um, uh, did, and uh, did you put get put on lessons? Yes, and that's controversial because I, I hated the lessons. Now, I learned a Ken, lot about Ken, you don't know many, how many people on this show 
have gone through this. But they, <laughs> also some people with positive ones, but man, a lot of negative ones. <laughs> You know, I, I learned to read music and uh, to, to count, and I, I've got pretty good pitch, and I attribute a lot of those things to the piano lessons I had. I play in punk bands all the time. I mean, the second you mentioned Catalina and Flipper, I was instantly thinking of the Descendants song, Catalina. And, so uh, last song on Milo Goes interview. to College. <laughs> yes, yes. It's to about Billy. It's, a, it's almost a documentary. It's about him going out fishing. Commercial fishing. It, it really is. It's, it's a story song. And I was about to say that History Lesson Part 2 from, uh, you can you can think I'm, I'm log rolling or flattering however you like, but, but Double Nickels on the Dime is one of the most important records in my life. And these sort of story songs are the, the music I really grew up on once I became a punk rocker. But, uh, you know, the ability to read music and to understand a little bit about theory is has served me very well. But I hated the piano lessons, even though they're helpful. Okay. You think it was a teacher? I, I think it was all that that the crap with the recitals and and you know having the parents gather and watch you. I, I oh, really yeah. detested that. Um, <laughs> but uh, I learned a lot and I became a pretty decent piano player. Okay. Uh, what about at school? Did, uh, did were you in the choir or the marching band or shit like that? Yeah, I, I was in the chorus, and uh, this was, uh, I think this probably is less so today with the, the success of Glee, but back in the 80s when I went to, to junior high and high school, um, it, there was almost no boys in it, and I always sang in chorus um, and signed up for it. So, uh, again, that was a good uh, learning experience, and the teacher would make us do these exercises like, Mommy, make me eat my M&M's, uh-uh. And I still do that today to, to warm up before getting So, you know, you pick up stuff along the way. And chorus, I really did love. And, of course, with two or three boys and 15 girls, it was a great way to, to meet people of the, the opposite sex. You know, drama classes like that, too. I don't know. The, <laughs> you know, I, it's been a while since I've been in junior high and high school, but the peer pressure is so fucking rough. But maybe that shit's starting to change, hopefully. Uh you told me the first record you bought, Barry Manilow, but what was the first gig you went to? First live show I ever saw uh, was The Cars. Um, my my brother, my older brother, took me to see The Cars, um, and it just blew my mind. I was I already loved that that first album, um, and I think this was uh, right after their second album, uh, Candio, came out, and just the, the and they're not even really regarded as a powerful live band. They're they're thought to be somewhat mechanical in their approach. But just hearing these excellent musicians perfectly recreate these songs, uh, but live, just blew me away, and, and that really uh, made me want to become a musician. Uh, kind of guitar rock. So, so when do you make the switch from piano to guitar? Uh, I, I played piano in my first few bands. Um, I always sang, but I, I played piano in my first few bands. And then um, when I discovered, uh, you know, punk rock or indie rock or whatever you want to call it, um, I, for some reason, p- keyboards are just not as as integrated into the fabric of that music. So I, I knew some guitar, um, and I've, I've never become as good at guitar as I, I am at piano and bass. But I took over on, on guitar somewhere in like junior year of high school, I would guess. Okay, you know what? I want to play uh, It Seems Like Years, okay? I'm a tragic figure 
Lincoln, my dear. Guys like me don't merely get upset. I was born in ancient times and measure response wasn't measured yet. My condition brings to mind Romeo and Oedipus Rex. I've had sex. I see you and I go wild Your hair, your lips, your face The way you're looking over your shoulder Just like Linda Lovelace You walk by with some crazy guy I hope that I'll be next Since I've had
temptations from a speedy trap And everything you say goes against you A convoluted solution
Pedro Show. Yeah, we start off that music chunk with Seems Like Years by the Lilacs. Uh, then uh, uh, cover D. Boone's King of the Hill. This uh, German guy Munich uh, in this tour with Flipper gives me a CD. Uh, oh, cool. Here, I made a, 
the thing it is G Raggy Los Hermanos Pachecos. So the Pacheco brothers and G Rag. Cool. Madame Vega goes out for cocktails, rough mix from Kid Boom Brandenburg. Yeah, Fred. He lives in Berlin. He's a Swedish guy. He's got a new project going with this guy. I think pump organ and oh wow, uh, yeah, string bass and MB Jones out of Pusan with uh, scene seven fifty three, Alexander Delarge Milano, I got to see him. Uh, yeah, he's now with the Lepers. Now it's uh, not Lepers dot it anymore. Now he's Lepers without a cause. Uh-huh. And, uh, <laughs> he moved up from Abari to Milano he, with Rock and Roll Hitler. He gave me a bunch of uh, these. Um, uh, He's on a tear, making all kinds of music and stuff. And Tijuana knife fight with uh, uh, Vince. Vince Gilby, right? Mm-hmm. He couldn't be in the Labor Day march because of uh, oh yeah, his new wheels. Yeah, new wheels. Ali Ali Achsin. I don't know who these. They got found that out, but maybe he secretly learned it. <laughs> Electric <laughs> Brother Lamb, a slowdown. Someone put the CD in my sack when I was coming up because I bring the sack on stage with me when I do gigs uh, man I'm just paranoid uh, I've never yeah, been in that too, dressing room before yeah too easy to snake shit <laughs> so somebody stuffed in there and they were called yeah Electric Brotherland and mm-hmm. the song was called Slow Down mm-hmm. and Flipper plays kind of slow so I thought it was appropriate Guided by Voices Bob Pollard with mm-hmm. <laughs> latest new one 105th album <laughs> he's coming to the rock no no now it's going to be Terry uh, Graham Ballroom mm-hmm. on New Year's Eve 100 song set mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Day look out. Day no high. Okay. Adio Guido, Urban Jig, that's brand new. And then the Lilacs with the knife. And, uh, yeah, you know, your current thing, Ken, it's it's like kind of a, a part two of, of early Lilacs, right? Or Lilacs, period. That's exactly right. Our our heyday was uh, probably 1990 to 1993, right. and then uh, I kind of I put the guitar down and really didn't touch it again for twenty close to twenty five years. Um, I'm uh, like you know, uh, James I'm Williamson. To figure out why that is? No, it helped with yes, uh, exactly. uh, the second time I, I helped the Stooges out with James Williamson. I don't think he had played for thirty years. His, his son told me about writing this essay in school called The Casket in the Corner. And it was about the, the guitar cases, like the guitars never came mm. out. It's like the, the casket's in the corner. So maybe, <laughs> you know, there's something about that. It's actually that. a really beautiful phrase. That's a very beautiful phrase, the casket's in the corner. Can, in we, our, get ahead, case. can we get ahead of that, though? How did the lilacs come together, Ken? So the, uh, I'm glad you played in there. It seems like years because that song was on our original EP, the first thing we ever recorded. Yeah, I know that. And was it was it was produced by Jim Ellison, who uh, later uh, gained some some fame um, uh, with his band Material Issue. So this was at a time in Chicago when uh, a bunch of bands were getting signed, and Material Issue was along with Urge Overkill and Smashing Pumpkins and Liz Fair. They were one of the bands getting a lot of attention, and uh, Jim took a strong interest in, in the Lilacs. In fact, he, he made up the name the Lilacs, and that record that he played, uh, he produced. He played guitar on that song, Seems Like Years, and um, uh, kind of launched us uh, into into the, the power pop scene in, in Chicago and beyond. 
So um, we we got together because I had been in a band called Green um, for for several years, for four years in the late eighties. In fact, in fact uh, we played with Firehose a couple times, and Green um, was a at, great uh, band led by a on uh, on at the, at the, the Metro yeah, in Chicago. Metro. Yeah. That's exactly right. Um, and uh, so Green was led by this this guy Jeff Lesher, uh, who's just a, a brilliant songwriter and one of the greatest singers ever to come out of Chicago. I'd, I'd put him second after Curtis Mayfield. And uh, after after leaving Green to you know try and go to college and and better myself a little bit, I still wanted to do the rock and roll thing, but I wanted to do it in a different way where we weren't touring around like crazy and we're trying to be a, a, a band of friends. So the Lilacs were basically high school friends of mine, and our bass player was a college friend of, of the guitar player, David Levinsky. And uh, all of a sudden, we started to get a lot of attention, and our records started to get played a lot on college. So I found myself right back in, in you know, touring around in a, in a crappy van. And, um, I mean, you certainly know, know the rock and roll grind as well as anybody on earth. And it's uh, when I decided to, you know, to quit and quote unquote grow up, I really just totally quit. I focused all of my energy on uh, becoming successful in my my real life, and I don't know why I felt that I had to, you know, to do this the casket in the corner route. I'm going to remember that phrase forever. By the way, that's a beautiful thing to say. Um, well, it was James but, Williamson's uh, son, Jamie. He he had to write an essay for school. It was like an assignment. And he just took something that was very real in his life, you know. It's a gorgeous phrase. So, uh, you know, I I, uh, I felt the same. I had my own caskets in the corner, and from time to time, people would call up and say, "Hey, you should get the band back together." Or, "Hey, we're getting this other band back together. Why don't you open for them with the Reformed Lilacs?" And I always said no. Um, you know, I, I sort of looked down my nose on it. I was becoming successful as a, a writer and in politics. Um, but then uh, I went through this, this really tough divorce and realized that I had, I had fucked my life up and thought, i, I got to start saying yes to some things I've said no to. So uh, the same guy, the guy you had just mentioned from Cabaret Metro, uh, Joe Shanahan. Joe Shanahan. Um, who that place. He's, a, he's just a, you know, one of the America's great club owners. Um, I spoke to him about doing a Lilacs reunion, and he was totally into it, and my conditions were... Uh, I only had two conditions. One, I'd only want to do it if all the original guys wanted to get back together because I didn't want it to be like, you know, Ken Curson and three guys I didn't know. Uh, and two, if uh, if we weren't going to be a joke, I wanted to really sound good. And I didn't know if I was even capable of holding up my end of the bargain. But I practiced like crazy and found myself really getting back into into singing and communicating and playing the guitar. Uh, and then that gig went great and resulted in uh, a bunch more. We, you know, we went to Liverpool and played at the Cavern three dates, um, and all of a sudden, um, I got put in touch with Richard Lloyd, the guitar player from Television and sure. Matthew Sweet, and uh, he he uh, he wanted to produce uh, our record. We had a couple songs from the old days that never made it to to record, and uh, David Levinsky wrote a really great new song, and I was so competitive after hearing his great new song that I sat down to write my first song. Uh, which is called I Saw Her First, in 25 years, and it was really good. So all of a sudden we had four songs, two old, two new, and uh, Pravda Records signed us, and there you're holding the Lilacs Endure. That's the that's the story. Now, you, you're t- talking to me from Lebanon, New Jersey, but 
So, but did you go back to Chicago to practice with these guys? Yes, uh, we went back to Chicago to practice for a couple weeks before that first reunion show. And I live in New York City. Uh, Dave lives in Utah. Tom lives in Washington. Art lives in Indiana. So we're, we're almost never in the same place unless we have a gig. And then we get together for a couple weeks to, you know, a couple days or a couple weeks and, and get the groove back. And for the record, it was actually um, Dave and me playing uh, guitars and singing. And we used uh, uh, a rhythm section who we who are not our, our typical rhythm section. But even there, I didn't want to just hire session guys. I, we, we used John Valley, who's like the greatest drummer ever. He was Green's original drummer and then played in the Lilacs for a year. And on bass, we, we used this guy, Steve Poulton, who is a Nashville studio musician, but a guy we know and love and who had been a friend and fan of the band for, for 20 years rather than just, you know, just a hired assassin. Yeah, now, Dick Lloyd, I, 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 have you read the book, The Combustible? It's pretty hilarious, that book. I have. I, I love his memoir. I'm sort of an addict of rock and roll memoirs, and his is one of the best. In fact, I, I reviewed the book uh, for... Uh, for Book and Film Globe, uh, which is a site that I own, um, and uh, that—that's basically how we became friends. I loved the book so much that a guy I play in a different band with, Ira Robbins, who, who founded the, the, the great fanzine Trouser Press. Sure. Um, Ira. So Ira, Ira, and I play in a band together, and Ira's friends with Richard Lloyd. Um, and when I was telling Ira how much I loved everything is combustible, he uh, he made the intro over email. So I went up to see Richard do a solo show in upstate New York. We hit it off, and, you know, he's kind of a cranky guy. He's living um, in Chattanooga, I, right? Chattanooga. Yeah, exactly. Right. Chattanooga. And uh, I was that, because he's got this rep as sort of a, a, a cranky guy who's hard to please, I was that much more thrilled when he liked my, you know, silly little pop band. Uh, and we just hit it off great. And actually, Dave, the other songwriter in the band, Dave and Richard have become, like, real friends. They, they share this bizarre interest in, uh, in you know, uh, old religious dead languages and also distortion pedals <laughs> so these, these strange interests that overlap well, if you, if you, you know I read that book of his in two days and big connect with Jimmy you know big in fact he said Jimmy punched him up I think two in the face one no two in the gut one in the face mm. and then was crying and said he was sorry in his uh, Corvette later anyway uh, we're at the end of the first what a, hour what an honor to be punched what an honor to be punched in the face by Jimi Hendrix, right? <laughs> More than that, socked up. I think there was two two uh, blows in <laughs> the gut, combo. too. <laughs> I think he was like 16 <laughs> or something. That book is incredible. Anyway, we're at the end of the first yeah, hour. Right. September 5, 2019 edition. Watt Pedro Show. Special guest, Ken Curson. Hold tight for hour two. September 5, 2019. It's the second hour. Watt for Pedro Show.
Stick 
Watch for Pedro Show. Start the second hour off with the Lilacs. Do a Monica. Uh, Color Wheel by Galaxy. That's brand new from. I think they're living out in the desert now. Joshua mm-hmm. Tree. Healers from Illinois doing Tempo 51. West of Chicago. A Canto number one from Mike Bagata in uh, Knoxville. Water Boogie System with the Angus song. I can't remember where Water Boogie <laughs> System's from, but probably not in the desert. <laughs> Heard a lot of people got arrested at the Burning Man, brother Matt. Oh. Yeah. Maya and the Revolutionary Hell Yeah. I think it's the last album they did as that name. Butterfly and Bat. And then I saw her first, the Lilacs. This is your great uh, return to songwriting, correct, uh, Ken? That's exactly right, and thank you for pointing that out. That that song's the first song I wrote in about 20 years, and I, I hope it holds up. Wow. What was it like when you first played guitar again after all that, after they came out of the caskets? You know, people sometimes describe this kind of stuff as, uh, it's like riding a bike, you don't forget, but I, I guess I was never that great a guitar player to begin with because it did take some time to, to you know, get uh, some of the some of that feel back to literally develop the calluses on, on my fingers again. And little things like putting suspended fourths on, on bar chords and stuff did not seem as natural, but I practiced harder what about rhythm and shit like that? What about rhythm and syncopation? It, uh, again, it took it took my right hand time to get back into into playing rhythmically, and uh, I think you know my meter and pitch have always been pretty good. And the one thing that that helped is I've always kept up uh, singing um, and taking singing seriously, um, actually practicing vocal exercises and, and things like that. So I've kept most of my range. Um, but the guitar definitely atrophied, and had to, I had to practice a lot to, just to get back to being a mediocre guitar player. Well, let, let, let me tell you something that might you not feel such a loner about that. When that sickness almost killed me 19 and a half years ago, mm-hmm. they put tubes in me, uh, in my uh, bladder and shit, so I couldn't play bass. You know, the, the tubes are in the way. And it was the first time I had to stop, you know, since I started at 12 or... D. Boone's mob got me on the bass. Anyway, when they finally got the tubes out and I could play again, uh, seven, eight months later, I couldn't play. And I thought the same thing. Hey, I thought this was supposed to be like riding a bike shit. And I couldn't, I had no rhythm. I had, uh, My fingers were way atrophied, way weak. I'd get tired out after just a few licks. And I had to go to uh, this, my Stooges albums. Uh, not a lot of chord changes, but a lot of feel, you know, and that that's what helped me build back. Actually, it might have led to, because uh, of Jay Maskus, uh, that whole reunion thing with Egg and the Stooges, Ashton Brothers. So, and I don't that's, think it's... That's actually comforting here. I, I, I think of you as, uh, you know, a, a real virtuoso on the instrument. I, I, I remember, I don't know if it was CMJ or one of those things, saying that uh, you're up there with Flea as one of the greatest bass players, players alive. So if that could happen to you, uh, I feel like a little better that it could be regained. Well, you know? I, I think it's this thing about don't use it, lose it. You know, uh, you know, I got a bad knee, and people say, well, walk with a the cane. They, then even more atrophy. You know what I'm saying? I think... Yep. It, it, you know, we live... It's You know, we could get into this stuff about the meaning of life and where it is and the moment and stuff like that. But the moment, in a way, that brings almost everything to bear. 
so, yeah, if it's in the c- casket, <laughs> it's probably not going to get good as work out. You know, on the corner, you know, well, with the blue rag hanging out the left rear pocket. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, uh, you, you had a couple songs left over from the old days, from the 20 years plus. And then your guitar man wrote a song, and then that encouraged you to write a song. And so, because, what is there, five on this EP? Four? There's four songs. Yeah, yeah. Two yeah. old, two new. Right, okay, so that that's right. And, and what was the name of the studio? Uh, we did it in Studio 19, which had uh, originally been founded by Scotty Moore, the, the you know the great guitar player for Elvis Presley oh, all yeah. those years. I know Scotty Moore. I know him kind of like through John Fogarty, through D. Boone. Because <laughs> D. Boone learned wow. a lot of his Scotty Moore from John Fogarty. <laughs> yeah, we're, it was a strange mix, but uh, yeah, Studio 19, okay. And uh, how, how long did it take? Uh, it took about four and a half days. And, you know, it's funny about being in Studio 19 because, uh, um, you know, I felt like I was seeing all these ghosts of, of legendary recordings past. And um, and especially because uh, Richard Lloyd is, is kind of, a, a, uh, he has this spirituality to him. He, he wouldn't call himself a religious guy, but he definitely has this aura to him. I kept feeling like I was, I was feeling the building infused with all of us. And then the engineer told us, no, this isn't the same building. So we moved a few years ago. <laughs> I was just seeing ghosts. Um, but yeah, it took us about four and a half days, you know, and we did it like a real rock record. We recorded in a room together, got the, got the drums and bass and the rhythm guitar live and then just, um, uh, tracked on all the, all the vocals and lead guitars and stuff. And and what, how would you describe, uh, Richard Lloyd's uh, production technique? Richard was invaluable. Uh, you know, the record's getting really, really good reviews, uh, so far. And, and I, I give him a ton of credit because, um, you know, I, I've spent most of my career as a writer and uh, a lot of that at, uh, at magazines. And a great magazine editor is not one who digs deep and tears apart your story or who leaves it alone. It's who knows when to do each. So Richard was great at leaving us alone when we were really rocking and finding the groove and then making us do it over and over and over when we couldn't find it. And it, it's very hard to, to be both. You, you usually have producers who are either you know, tearing everything up and, and not letting you keep a single original note or who are like, yeah, it sounded pretty good at first take. So Richard is a, a really excellent producer because he, he understood uh, our band right away and he understood the difference between when we were on track and when we weren't. Well, that's really good to hear. I'm lucky here in Pedro. We got a real good uh, cyclage meister, Brother Matt. I've been Jones and it's been a while. Please bring it.
Thank you for having us in the music scene. Thank you, Celebrity Skin. You're righteous. As for a smoke ribbon.
coming. Fuck the line. I'm always fucking you. Industry, industry, we are cool for the industry. Head of laundry, police of identity. Lie here naked, I lie here naked. Both on the pavement. Wow, we different. Thank you. 
right now with your spin cycles what was the motivation the impetus just just getting back in action after a little break uh i found a few discs there starting with some uh fire hose at the good old shadow box 1987 but that was a little uh little bit compromised with time yeah uh, so then we shifted to the music machine right. another good old classic spot with those who tunes there the only time we did a whole gig of who songs and then uh, ended it. Edward was upset because <laughs> Pete Townsend brought back Tommy with Billy Idol as part of it or something, if I remember right. Forgive me, Edward, if I remember wrong, but remember you, you were not pleased with that. So our get back was doing a whole good, <laughs> good way to get back. Songs where he picked all these strange songs, like join together with the band and mm. live lo- long live rock. and, and and then we end up with some Minutemen from 1983. Yeah, where was that? It didn't say. It's okay. plain rap. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, I wonder. Uh, you know, there's no tuners of those. <laughs> Ken, welcome back. Uh, yep. 
What was the first Lilacs gig like? First Lilacs gig was at Cubby Bear, and for some reason we we dressed very glam, and I remember wearing a, a cowskin cape. Uh, that was not our thing. I have no idea <laughs> why that happened, but uh, you asked and I answered. <laughs> yeah, were you scared? No, you know, by that time I'd been playing music uh, for, for years and years uh, in front of my friends and fans and stuff, so... I wasn't, I wasn't nervous, but I, I was overjoyed, and I really did feel like we got it right to do this as a, a band of buddies instead of, uh, you know, uh, hiring the best possible musicians. Sure, sure. And the gig went over okay. What it about, went great, and uh, we, we knew we had something to build on. What about the cape? Did it stay? <laughs> I have no idea what happened to that cape. That was in my room since I was a child. Uh and I have no idea what became of it, but uh, I have pictures of it, and it's very funny to see me wearing it. It's the only gig you wore it at? Yes, the only time I ever wore it. Okay, okay. So I was waiting all that time in your room, then it got its use, and then it was out of your life. Yep. That's a trip. That's a trip. Everything's got a reason, I guess. Doesn't mean it's a. Yeah, speaking of which, yeah. Speaking of everything having a reason, I, I have a question for you actually, and I, I didn't want to let this uh, wonderful time I spent with you on the radio pass without asking it. I, I am a huge Raymond Pettibon fan, um, and have even managed, uh, you know, I've, uh, yeah, I've even managed to to save up a, enough to have a couple of Pettibon, and I, I understand you you actually played music with him, right? You you he well, was yeah, in I one got- of your. I was hoping you'd tell me about that. Well, I've I've done, you know, I've covered a few of his songs. He's written lyrics for me. But I also have some musical projects. One of them called Socktight. We've had two releases, working on a third. Uh, Basically, it was kind of a tribute to Jackie, the drummer man in Cannes, mixed in with Raymond's incredible uh, ability to write good raps and perform them. And then brother Steve McKay, who did saxophone with the Stooges. So that's how it kind of came together. And then, of course, we lost brother Steve and uh, brought in some other sax men like uh, Alex from Dirty Beaches, Vince Maroney, Yuli from uh, Vince Maroney from Player Pliers, and Atomic Sherp is in Uli from uh, Ozamotley, and. Uh, they're featured on these next two we're going to do. The problem with uh, me and Raymond making music a lot now is he lives in New York City and I'm here in the harbor of Los Angeles. So we do what we can do. We're probably going to make all the three releases into one album and that'll come out sometime in 2020. That's my uh, my plan. Probably the third release will be an album of all ten songs. But uh, there's some lyrics... Going way back, like uh, Jay Maskus did a Firehose album called Mr. Machinery Operator, Producer Man. And Raymond wrote me some lyrics on there, uh, something about the Army and uh, something about teaching. You know, Raymond did some teaching in the inner city here uh, in the 80s. Uh, We also went to a lot of prep. Uh, We loved uh, hoops. Uh, Spent a lot of time. It's been a big hole in my life not living in the same town with him. Uh, for the longest time, he, you know, he was in Hermosa Beach, and then he had a pad in Long Beach, and both those were both close enough for me. But then uh, Venice 
and even more New York City. It's just, it's too far. Huh, I love the man, big inspiration. Uh, we're at the end of the second hour, September 5, 2019. Uh, special guest Ken Kirsten, hold tight for hour three. September 5, 2019. It's the third hour. What for Pedro show?
The snowdrops keep falling so cold, and my body is telling me sleep. Such a long night of drinking last night. I almost reached back in time and kissed you across the tabletop, then asked you if you would mind. This risotto is cheesy and wet, and my shoes have peninsula stains. The wet snow it can hold so much dirt, but can't hold the accumulation of my tame lost eyes. When I see you, I see the mirrored glow. Do you love me the way that I love a stale leaf in the autumn? On the ground, amongst others, what made you choose me? I've seen that pressure of choice paralyze other wheeled charioteers, and the shelves of fluorescent aisles stocked with sirens' tears. I babbled on about someone I bleed for. As we approached that window full line, all the people inside they look so friendly. They'll threaten off my lonely lovers lonely tonight. Don't you threaten off my lonely lovers lonely tonight. These lies might convince someone else, but I wrote them just for you. Thought I might find another way home to your pornographic reviews. I know that I gave you away, and I know that I wanted you back. And the wine drips slower this side of waking, and the wine drips slower. Out of waking time tonight, and the wine drips slower. This out of waking, and the wine drips slower. This out of waking time tonight.
for Pedro show th- start third hour off with Shadow of a Doubt by the Lilacs then uh, Andre Vida with This Side Awaken he's out of Berlin friend of Josh Hayden Faux Fum I Can't Wait this is a live practice from I don't know 30 years ago mm. 35 years ago the Faux Fum is Crane mm. Dirt I think I'm involved somehow mm. some other people Gino Pusta maybe mm. then Crane with uh, Channel Rap Cool. Crane Rapid. Yeah. Uh, Idaho these days. Mm-hmm. Damien Gerardo, gasoline drinks, unlux, get out, and finally the, the lilacs with hop in the stanza. Now, hop in the stanza. Are you, are you talking about like verses and stanzas? And You know, I wish I could claim that, that I, I was, but I was actually talking about my Nissan stanza, my 1982 <laughs> car that. Uh, <laughs> Okay. You know, that's that's just your your typical breakup song where, you know, I get dumped and I jump in the car. It's, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a story song. Story song, yeah. Nar- narrative. Uh, look. Exactly. You, you're talking about doing gigs when the guys from four towns that aren't close to each other get together. Uh, do you have some kind of tour uh, coming? Uh, we are playing in Chicago at the, the legendary Phyllis's Musical Inn on October 19th, and that'll be like our official record release party. And then uh, we'll do another record release show in New York on November 9th as part of the International Pop Overthrow Festival. Um, beyond that, I mean, we have some offers to, to come back to places, but it's just so tough to get the guys together. Sure. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to add four or five more gigs to to that, but I'm not sure. Maybe a Chattanooga gig, get Dick Lloyd to open up. That would be amazing. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I keep hoping he's going to ask us to be his his sort of band because he does these solo shows and they're really good. Um, but I just I would love to see him with a band behind him. So hopefully he'll he'll uh, invite us to do that. Whoa, that would be. What what about this song, Pointless? Because you say you like stories. Are some stories kind of are they pointless? I'm so glad you asked me about that song, Mike, because Pointless is my favorite Lilac song, and it really is a story song. I, you know, I, I didn't write that song, so I don't want to go too deep into talking about the story of it. Um, but I, I will tell you, it's it's just a great song. And it, uh, a guy, uh, a fan of the band, just sent us a song that he wrote called Pointless that he wanted to sort of give to us as a Pointless Part Two 
Um, so uh, it, it's it, it's evidently stirred a lot of people. You mean um, his pointless was inspired by your pointless? Exactly right, and he wanted us to record it. You know, it's like sort of like a poem he wrote, and he wanted us to you know set it to music and record it. Um, so which I, I thought was a really nice honor. Are you going to do it? I don't think so. wasn't wasn't really <laughs> in our <laughs> wheelhouse, but it was. I'm still touched by the gesture. Okay, okay, let's listen to it right now.
Pedro Show, okay. last music for this edition. Pointless, the Lilacs. Then Lydia Cavina with Voice of Theremin. One of the, the inventor's uh, protégés. <clears throat> Hank Rollins turned me on that. Ned Collette with Wirewalker doing Across Frozen Bridge. Ned's in Berlin these days. A lot of artist cats, brother man. <clears throat> you don't know, have to speak German. It's so cosmopolitan, the artist community there. I couldn't... It's really... Really happening, but I heard the winters are tough. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. No sun for three months. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we were there was uh, you know end of August. Uh huh. Great time. Okay. Well, it was a, it was a great gig. We had you know like Flip, we would uh, invite dudes to do sex bomb. You uh, sax man. Uh huh. 
that guy Andre Vita. He did, but then they got like seven or eight guys. Some dudes from the Einstein and the Neubauten. Uh-huh. They got dudes doing nose whistles. Wow! You know, like eight member nose whistle <laughs> choirs. <laughs> and finally, the last page. Uh, no, no, last page by Greg Chappelle's Chappelle. Finally, the very last time by the Lilac. The very last time. What can you tell us about that, Ken? Well, we Hello, lost hotline. We lost you there, Kent. You back? Hey, line went there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm back. Okay, well, I was talking about songs. What can you tell us about the very last time? Very last time uh, is uh, 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 it's one of those songs that evolved out of a hook. I had that chorus. I thought it would be a, a monster hook, and uh, and it turned out to be a, a, a nice little hit for us. Um, uh, you, you guys must remember Grant Hart from. Uh, Husker Du. I remember playing that song at me, the Uptown. Uh, and- me and D Boone uh, put out, and Marty Tamburovich put out Husker Du's first album, Land mm. Speed Record, in uh, 1981. So is that before SST? Uh, well, our label was inspired by SST. But yeah, they. they so cool. Yeah, their first SST release, I think, was Metal Circus. That's like a so year cool. later, two years later. Mm. But uh, Grant, yeah, uh, I love the cat much, and I just just a, a great great songwriter, um, and so yeah. so he came to see, he came to see our band at the Uptown in Minneapolis, and uh, Grant was with some guy who I still to this day don't don't know, um, and uh, that the guy who was sitting with Grant when we played very last time, the, Grant's friend was scribbling down all the words that he could hear. So after the show, when, uh, you know, Grant came up to me and said, hey, good set, blah, 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 um, the, his friend asked me to fill in all the blanks of the words he couldn't get while, you know, while hearing it live, which I thought was a, a great honor. <laughs> so um, so that, that's the story of that song. It's, you know, it's, it's when, when you really love someone, but, you know, you're, you're at the end and, and you're thinking about that very last time you're ever going to kiss them. It's terrible. You know, uh, got to do some gigs with him and the Meat Puppets. A few months before that, uh, and ah, it's very hard, hard. You know, here, here's a trippy connect though. Talk about coincidence with uh, Richard Lloyd. Uh, one time, Grant Hart. This is maybe ten years ago. He calls me up. Hey, Bones, at SST, they used to call me this because yeah, these guys had never heard of, uh, in Navy housing. You know, we had slang for money, and Bones was one. And they never heard this, and they thought it was so weird. They called me that. <laughs> Give me a fucking break. <laughs> calling so many smackers or clams and clams. What are the smiolis? Simoleons. Simoleons. <laughs> anyway, he says, look, something's up with uh, yeah, Mr. Lloyd. He's going to have to come to Minneapolis, St. Paul or something. Why don't we, uh, you know, help him make an album? I'll do the drums and you could do the bass and do a trio and... I guess he ran the idea by Mr. Lloyd. I was like, fuck that shit. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. That, I just heard what Grant told me. <laughs> but it might have been interesting. It might have been interesting. <laughs> Look, where can people find out about you, Ken, on the internet? So go to uh, thelilacsendure.com. Or probthemusic.com or you know all the all these horrible sites like no uh, no, all no, the no, sites no 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 
this, this site that you got, the Lilacs Endure, that's T-H-E-I-L-I, no, L-I-L-A-C-S-E-N-D-U-R-E.com. That's right. Yeah, at least that's your site, you know. The other things, with yep. the telephone poles where you put up flyers, I mean, we don't need to mention that. <laughs> but uh, if people want to know what's going on, like these gigs you got in October, and what about, since you did so well with uh, Mr. Lloyd and those four songs, what about an album? Boy, from from your lips, Mike, to God's ear, you know, mm. it's uh, if we have the songs and we got the time, I, I would totally do it. This 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 EP has already way overperformed any of our realistic expectations. I'm not really talking about sales so much, although it seems to be getting added to a few commercial stations. I'm talking about just the fact that you know, 50 year old guys can get together and still make music that that sounds like it's got some energy and passion behind it. So uh, I, I would totally do an album if I was convinced we had, uh, you know, we had this, the, the songs that justified it. I wouldn't do it just for the hell of it. Okay, that, that sounds good to me. And in fact, that sounds like good advice about music, period. Mm-hmm. Ken, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Brother Matt, for, yeah. you're always essential. Certainly. People, it's been the September 5, 2019 edition of Pedro Show. Keep your powder dry. Yeah.